Hey, good morning. Uh, you probably have caught on. We're starting a brand new series uh, together that we call iLink. Uh, it's about relationships. Before we dive into that, just a couple things for us to kind of talk about for a few moments together. Because uh, when you're family, you just stop and you talk every once in a while. And we need to do a little bit of that today. First off is, is you're probably wondering what's going on uh, with the uh, building program. And just want to tell you that uh, they've already poured uh, what they call the footers, which means there's this kind of a cement grid all the way around the edges of the building. It's got rebar coming up out of it. All of the rough plumbing, rough electrical, I should say, most of the rough plumbing, rough electrical is all in. So all that underground stuff that has to go on uh, in a building, they're going to be finishing that up uh, this next week. And uh, they're telling us that within two weeks, they're probably going to be pouring the foundation. It's going to take them nearly a week to pour the foundation because in the new building, we've got nearly an acre under roof. Uh, so a pretty major project. Uh, and then they're saying within three weeks, we should be seeing walls going up over there. So absolutely cool. Uh, it is on track. It's doing good. So just, just so you know, it's there. It's happening. I know you drive by and you go, are they doing anything? Yeah, they are. They're working and, it, and it's right on time, right on track. Uh, trying for December move in on the deal. So it's there. It's happening. You're going to see walls soon. Second piece is, is that as a part of the whole building project, you probably figured that out. We, we've got a parking thing going on around here. And it, it's pretty interesting just to navigate our parking lots in this place. Now, with that in mind, next Sunday is Easter. So anybody uh, want to take a guess on what that could look like? So we're thinking rather than just everyone come fend for yourself, we all lose our Christianity on Easter Sunday... <laughs> Um, we've got a plan, and we need your help with the plan. Here's the plan. We have secured parking at Conley Elementary School, which is right behind the YMCA. It's up on Fry. Probably know where the YMCA is. It's right behind the YMCA. And we've got professional shuttle services going to run us over here to the main campus. So we're asking you, could you, would you, for one Sunday, one Sunday, Easter Sunday, would you park at Conley, let the shuttles bring you over? We think that means you getting there about 20 to 25 minutes early. The service is only going to be an hour, so you're really going to be pretty much on typical schedule anyways. Would you park there, let us shuttle you? What that's going to do is it's going to leave plenty of open spaces for all the other people who are going to be coming that Sunday, and it may actually save our Christianity, okay? So if, if you would do that and help us. Now, here's the other part of that. Please, 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 please do not come at 9 o'clock. Do not come at 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday morning unless you've got a friend that's coming with you and they just can't come any other time. Then you can come with them. But other than that, go to a different service. Go to 8 o'clock. Go to 11 o'clock. Go to Saturday night. Saturday night is totally cool. Uh, we're actually going to be serving dinner together on Saturday night. It's just, it's a totally different atmosphere. And those who've gone to Saturday night, many of them prefer that than to actually be here on uh, Easter morning. It's just a totally different feel to it, and it's a neat feel. You might want to consider doing the Saturday night service, but don't come at 9 o'clock. Don't come at 10 o'clock unless you've got a friend, and that's the only time they can come. Okay? If you do that, you'll help us. We won't have any drive-by shootings, no road rage. It'll be good on Easter Sunday. I love Jesus. Bang, bang. We don't want to do that. Okay? So um, help us out on Easter Sunday. Uh, we're starting a brand new series. It's called I Lincoln. 
what we were doing, we were talking a little bit uh, in staff and just saying, isn't it amazing that in this time of technology, this world of technology, we've got emails, we've got the internet, we've got all this way to, already link ourselves up with other people. We probably have access to better and more communication than any other time in human history. You would think that we would have the strongest relationships, the greatest friendships ever. And yet, if we were honest, isn't it true that probably this is one of the loneliest generations, has the least significant friendships, we huddle in our houses a little fearful? Isn't that interesting? So we just want to talk and say, what would it be like? What could it be like if we did relationships God's way? Because I'm pretty convinced that God didn't create us to have to go through life alone. That's not how it was supposed to be. So I want to talk about what does it mean to have incredible relationships, incredible friendships in our lives. Now at this moment, many of the men are freaked out. Because they're pretty sure that somewhere in here this involves hugging. (laughs) And I just want to say, I promise you guys, we're not going to hug. We're not going to hold hands and sing kumbaya. We're not going to do any of that stuff, okay? What we're talking about is, how do you find friends? Who would bleed for you? Who would cover your back? Who you don't have to look over your shoulder and wonder if they're going to be there because they're there. Band of brothers type stuff. How many friends do you and I have like that? I mean, if, if, if tomorrow the bottom fell out in your life, or tomorrow you woke up to find out that you'd been fired from your job, or, or, or that maybe you're mar- all of a sudden you find your marriage is totally on the rocks, or, or what if a child died? Would you have someone significant in your life, a friend, who would go to battle with you to say, you know, I could call them. I know they'd be there with me. Other than your spouse, who would you call? And the answer for many of us is, I, I don't know that I have anybody like that that I would call. Maybe a better question is this. What if someone who knew you went through that? What, what if they woke up tomorrow to find out their marriage was on the rocks? Or to find out their job was gone and there was no money in the bank? Or lost a child? Would they call you? Would you be the first name on their list and they'd say, you know, I, I know I got one friend who would, who would stand by me no matter what. And would you be that name on that list? And the scary thing is, if we sit here today, many of us don't think so. So we're just going to spend we're just going to spend the next couple of weeks saying what would that be like? What could it be like if I knew there was someone who had my back? Maybe even a couple someone. And what would it be like if I was the first name on a bunch of people's list because they knew they could count on me to be a friend? What would that do in my life? Let's just have a word of prayer and we're going to ask God to teach us instead. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just going to ask you, we're going to give you permission In the next couple weeks to kind of poke at us, challenge us, let us rethink how we do this. Because here's the answer, God. If we were straight up today, we'd have to say we are lonely. And and, and many of us in this room don't have a friend like that other than maybe our spouse. And many of us say, boy, if my bottom fell out, I'm not sure who I'd call. And even more of us in this room would say, you know what? If my friend's life fell apart, I'm not sure they'd know that they could call me. So God, I just ask, would you, could you bring us to a whole new place in how we do life? 
Because God, life was never meant to be a solo journey. It's not about who gets to the end first. It's about how many come with us. God, would you teach in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, grab your Bibles this morning if you would. Go with me over to the book of Matthew. If you're not real familiar, Matthew, you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this passage in which Jesus begins to talk about relationships. Here's what we're going to do. Today's kind of foundational. And as we do this, we're just going to take two principles that God teaches about how to do relationship that the reality is are probably going to be like a bomb within how you've always done it. You're going to most likely, as we talk about this, go, really? Does it, could it work like that? And what I'm going to challenge you today is not to argue, not to fight with it, but simply to process as we go through this next few weeks and say, what would happen if I did relationships like that? What would my friendships look like? What would my marriages look like? What would my relationship with my kids look like if I did relationships the way God asked me to do relationships? And to consider what that could mean in your life. Two principles today, two foundational principles that have the ability to turn our worlds upside down if we did them in our lives. First one starts in Matthew chapter 5. And here's this first principle that you and I are going to discover together. God is going to, first principle number one, God is going to help us understand your and my maturity, your and my relationship with Him is not based on how much Bible I know. It's not based on how much church I attend. It's not based on how much I put in the offering plate. That God says the number one measure of whether or not your Christian life is okay, or whether or not you're a mature Christian, are you ready for this? How you're doing with the people God put in your life. Number one measure. Which, guys, I'm just going to tell you, that's so different because here's the reality. Don't we measure people's spirituality by how many Bible words they know? See, we're standing with them at church and they go, You know, Godeth, loveth meeth, and I thinketh, thateth, the Bible is goodeth. And we go, Wow! Wow! You must be an amazing Christian. You even talk in King James. Right? And, 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 and so we're just impressed. And they say to us, hey, you know what? I can find Hezekiah 3.9 in my Bible, even though it's not even a book in the Bible. I can find it. And, and we go, wow, you are just such a neat Christian. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not how I measure maturity. That's not how I measure health. That's not how I figure out if you're okay. The number one measure, are you ready for this? The number one measure, whether or not what Jesus has done for you is really sinking in, really changing you. How you deal with the other people in your life. Because Jesus is just wild enough to say this. If I've really changed you, it'll change how you relate to the people around you. Okay? If you're one of those people today who's trying to take notes, don't even bother. I threw them away a long time ago. Okay? So don't even do that. But we're going to do this together. So Matthew chapter 5. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 23, this is Jesus, get this, this is Jesus talking about relationships. Let what he's about to say to you sink in because this will boggle your brains. Here's what Jesus said about relationships. He says, therefore, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar 
You're, you're in the middle of a church service. You're, you're about ready to drop stuff in the offering plate. You're praying. You're singing one of the songs. And it's totally, totally cool. If you're in the middle of church attendance, trying to connect with me, trying to worship me. And in that moment, you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, first, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then, then, come and offer your gift. Do you realize what Jesus just said? Jesus just said, look, 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 look. If you're struggling with the people in your life, if you've got people that you are mad at and you are aching over forgiveness and and you got people who if they walked in front of your car you'd speed up (laughs) jesus says the truth is we're not ready to meet each other we're not even ready to spend time that that is huge in your life says go first and get that straightened out then come talk to me about being spiritual is that different Go to another passage. John chapter 13. Turn to the right with me. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Verse 34. This is Jesus again talking about relationships. And here's what he says. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So must you love one another. Now verse 35. Watch this because this changes everything. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. Now, now, what do you expect him to say next to me? Shouldn't he say something like, if you'll give 20% tithe? Uh, that's what I'd say, right? If, if you'll attend church perfectly, every single Sunday, never miss, then people will know you really love me. If, 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 if you'll be a Sunday school teacher, then people will know that you're a true believer. Isn't, shouldn't he say something like that? And yet, what does Jesus say next would be the defining thing that would let people know that you and I have truly met him and come into contact with him. And that that contact is changing us from the inside out. Look what he says. He says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You get that Jesus is saying, hey guys, no one's going to be impressed if you know how to quote chapters of the Bible. No one's going to be impressed if your Bible's so big you can beat people up with it. It doesn't matter. Okay? And, 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 and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that prayer is not important. I'm not saying that serving, I'm not. Jesus just said, that's never the test. Those are important things, and that's things that mature people do. But that's not what gets you to the heart of maturity and spiritual health. Guess what you measure? How are you doing with the people I've placed in your life? Because all the rest of it can be faked. This can't be faked. If you were to walk into my office, you'd probably be impressed 
Uh, you'd see this big old cherry wood desk. And, and, and there's a huge cherry wood credenza back behind it. And then I've got all these bookshelves of cherry wood there. You'd be really, really impressed until you looked a little closer. Because you know what you'd find out about my furniture? It's Walmart press board. See, the truth is, there's a really pretty paper glued on top of press board. <laughs> See, here's the deal, guys. Some of us have been really darn impressed with press board Christians. See, they can quote all sorts of Bible verses. They know how to put on a tie and comb their hair and walk around church like it's okay. They drive in their cars fighting like cats and dogs and get out and go, Hey... And, and, and we go, oh my, they must really, 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 really love Jesus. And here's what Jesus says. No, 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 no. Because the real measure as to whether or not I'm really making a difference in your life and whether or not you truly are feeling the effects of a relationship with me is going to be seen in your relationships with other people. Now, guys, if you stop and think about this, doesn't this make some sense? I mean, how many of us have known Christians that we thought were incredibly mature? And then all of a sudden, they got into an argument with someone. The pastor did something they didn't like. Or, or, or maybe the church made a decision that upset them. Or, or maybe someone at church didn't treat them right. And all of a sudden, you saw... And you said, whoa, 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 whoa. How did that come out of a person I thought was a mature Christian? You know what Jesus would say? Maybe, maybe they never really were mature. Maybe they learned how to go through all the motions, say all the stuff, comb their hair right. But the truth is, they never learned how to let their relationship with me sink in so deep that it changed their relationship with the people around them. And here's what Jesus is saying, let this sink in. The best measure of your maturity, my maturity, is how I treat others. Guys, that's huge. That changes things. And it leaves you and I with a question today. How am I doing in my relationships? And here's the thing. I'm not saying everybody's going to love you. I'm not saying every relationship is going to be perfect. I mean, the truth is Jesus had people who didn't like him. They killed him. But here's what I've got to ask. Do I have a pattern of not getting along? Do I have a pattern of blowing people up? When, when I walk into a room, do people cringe? <laughs> what would my wife say of the depth of my spirituality based on how I treat her? What would my kids say? What would my, you ready? My boss say about the depth of my spirituality? Based on how I respond to my boss. Or would he say, you know what? This is just one of those people who thinks they're smarter than everybody and hasn't met a single boss who has a brain cell in their head. Jesus said, the truest measure of my spirituality is how I treat others. Got a person in your life who you've made a career out of hating? He said, well, Lynn, that's different because you don't get what they did to me. No, 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 no. The truest measure of whether or not what Jesus has done for me has taken root is how I treat either others. And maybe, maybe, you ready for this? Maybe mostly and most significantly the ones who've hurt me the most. That changes everything.
Principle number two is this. Jesus is going to ask me to stop treating others based on how they treated me. See, that's what we do, right? You treat me good, I'll treat you good. You treat me dirty, I'll stab you in the back, right? And that's, that's just kind of that unspoken thing about how we do life with people, right? Treat me good, I'll treat you good. Treat me fair, I'll treat you fair. But boy, you dirty dog me. I don't just get even. Right? And, and, and that's... But here's the problem. Here's the problem. I promise you that if you deal with people the way they deal with you, you will end up with ugly relationships scattered all through your life. Because here's why. Every person you know, every person you know, somewhere is going to let you down. True? Now, I'll never let you down. (laughs) Can I just say this? Can I just say this? Somewhere, sometime, I'm going to tick you off. I'm going to say something in a service, and you're going to say, how dare he? I'm going to walk by you on the patio and forget to say hi, and you're going to go, what a jerk. And I'm just, somewhere going, he did that today. He just, (laughs) because here's the deal. I can't afford for you to treat me the way I treat you, because somewhere... I'll let you down. And the truth is, if we live our lives treating people based on how they treated us, our relationships will be ugly. And then there might be that one time every hundred years where you treated someone bad. See, here's what we do. See, our our thought is this. Here's me, here's my friends, and as long as my friends do good things for me, then I'm willing to reciprocate and do good things for them. But guess how we treat friends that don't do anything for us? We don't know a whole lot for them. And Jesus just says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's an ugly way to do relationships. It's a disappointing way. It's a hurtful way. And Jesus comes back and says, no, no, no. Would you consider treating people not the way they treated you, but treating people the way I treated you? Think about that for a second. What would it be like if you and I treated every person in our life not based on how they treated us, but based on how Jesus treated us? What if I forgave the people who hurt me the way Jesus forgave me? What if I was patient with people the way that Jesus was patient with me? What if I accepted people the way that Jesus accepted me? That would change Matter of fact, you know what? That would be so weird. That would just confuse everybody that knows you. They'd go, what's wrong with you? But you know what? That's exactly what Jesus was saying. By this, everyone will understand your mind, the disciple, because they will not be able to explain why you treat them the way you treat them. They won't understand why you treat them the way Jesus treated you. See, here's what Jesus asked. Jesus said, instead of treating them... In response to them. He said, how about if you treat them in response to my goodness for you? Would you forgive them only as much as I've forgiven you? And would you accept them the way that I accepted you? And would you include them the way that I included you? Oh. 
Because Jesus said, hey, if you did that, do you realize you'd be ministering to the lives of people around you out of the overflow of the goodness of Jesus on your behalf? And instead of waiting for... You'd be giving and responding and filling their lives with Jesus. And all of a sudden, we go, oh my goodness, that would change everything if I simply treated people the way that Jesus has already treated me. Go with me to one last passage this morning. Take a couple minutes because Paul's going to try and tell us what that would look like. Okay? So grab your Bibles real quick. Go with me to the book of Ephesians, which is going to be to the right. Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul basically says, you're going to give this a try? Here's where you start. Here's what this could be in your life. To treat people not the way they treated you, but to treat them the way Jesus treated you. It's Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. This is Paul writing, trying to help us understand how to do this in our lives. Here's what he says. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life, you ready, worthy Worthy of the calling you received. What's it called? It's just an invitation. Here's what he's saying. Hey, remember when Jesus invited you? Remember when Jesus said, hey, hey, I'll forgive you when you clean up? Remember that one? No, no. Jesus said, I'll forgive you just the way you are. Matter of fact, I already died on a cross, so I could. Remember the calling? Remember Jesus who accepted us? Do you remember what you and I were like when we came to Jesus? How many of you go, man, boy, when I came to Jesus, Jesus got a deal. Well, I was the coolest. Woo! Did Jesus get a bargain with me? See what the truth is? We all came on our hands and knees, right? We all came saying, Jesus, I, I can't wait till I'm good enough. Could you just take me the way I am? Just live a life worthy of a calling. Remember a Jesus who included you when you should have been left standing at the door. Says live a life like that. And then he gives us four things to do. Here's what he says. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I then urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Do what's been done to you that you've received. Be completely humble, gentle, patient, and bear with one another in love. How many of you like those four things? I don't know about you, I'm going, wow. That sounds like a lot of relationship stuff. Here's what he says. Get this. He says, number one, be humble. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. Being humble is hard for me. Any fellow sufferers? Because, see, here's, here's what we think humble means. We think humble means walking around going, I'm a worm. Go ahead, just run me over. I'm not worthy. And you know what? That's not humble. That's not humble. Matter of fact, Scripture says this about Jesus. You ready? Philippians chapter 2, it says, And be like Jesus Christ who humbled himself and faced death on the cross. Now, wait a minute. Do you think Jesus is walking around going, I'm just the Son of God. No way. 
So what does it mean that he humbled it? Humble means this. It doesn't mean you walk around with low self-esteem. Humble means that I decide that what I want is not as important as what you need. And that I will place what you need above what I want. See, here's the truth. Jesus looked at you and I and said, you know what they need? They need me to die on a cross. And Jesus said in that same breath, you know what I want? A vacation to the Bahamas. And instead he chose the cross because you and I needed that. And humbleness just simply says, I will place what you need above what I want. We had this incredible moment in our church. Had a gal, met her a couple months ago. And she gave this testimony. She said, my husband and I are divorced. And I've been trying to figure out God. And I started coming to church here. And my life just got changed. I mean, I I figured out who God was and how that worked in my life. She says, I'm so changed. And then the thought occurred to me. My ex-husband needs this. And then our next thought was, no way. No way. No way. I don't want my ex-husband going to church with me. Guess what the Lord spoke to her heart? Humbleness is deciding that what he needs is more important than what you want. You know what she did? You know, here's something. She invited her ex-husband to come to church with her, and he became a Christian. Is that weird? Could God do that? Yeah. If we were humble. If we treated people the way Jesus treated us and not according to how they treated us. Second thing he says, he says, be gentle. How many men are signing up for the gentle club? Hey, that's what I always wanted to be gentle. Hey, I'm just going to tell you that, and see the ladies may not struggle with this, but as a guy I'm going... She goes, here, here's the thing. If you come to my funeral and, and you're like doing testimonies about me, just please don't, don't stand up and go, you know, Lynn, he was gentle. Just <laughs> and, 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 and can you imagine, you know, you go to work and they say, we're going to do a review. And you're sitting down for your review and your boss looks across the page and goes, you know, you're gentle. <laughs> Not quite what I was aspiring to. But again, that's because we don't understand gentle. See, gentle doesn't mean you splash a bunch of lilac water on yourself and go, that's not gentle. Okay? Gentle means self-controlled. It means not powering up every time someone gets me mad. It means I, that just because you torqued me, I don't just go, blah. And you and I met that person, right? You go, oh no, they're getting mad. Run. And gentle just basically says, I don't bring the full weight of my fury to bear. I have self-control. Think of this. Think of this. Think of a female bear, a she-bear and her cubs. Now, I'm just going to tell you, you do not want to get between a she-bear and her cubs. Because you will not get a lesson in gentleness. But think about how she treats the cubs. Think of all that power, all that, and then how she treats the cubs. That has nothing to do with her being wimpy. That has nothing to do with her not having the strength. It has everything to do with self-control. And even in, even when that little bear cub goes, gets her man, she goes, 
and it goes tumbling a couple times. Even that, that's gentle, right? Because of what she could have done. Right? Think about this. Jesus clearing out the temple. Turning over tables. Do you know that was gentle? Because of what he could have done. And instead, Jesus responded to the right moment with the right level of response. Self-control. Gentleness. It's not bringing my full power to bear. It's bringing the appropriate power to bear. Number three, be patient. Patient. Ain't got any veteran patient people here? And here's what God just says. He says, hey, here's all you have to do. This is all I'm asking. Would you simply be as patient with others as I've been with you? Think about that. Think about what you and I were like before we came to Jesus and how long we made God run after us. Think, think how many times God came and said, hey, would you, could you, are you ready? And we said, you know, maybe a little later, God. A little busy with some important stuff in my life. And think of how many spring breaks we went on. And think about all the wild stuff we did and... and how patient was God waiting for you to figure out that you needed him? And, and Jesus just says that that's all the more patient you need to be with the people around you. Just that much. Which means this, guys. You're sitting in the front driveway with your car. All the kids are buckled in. Motors running. Your wife's still inside. And everything inside of you wants to go... But you know you can't, because if you honk the horn, she'll just sit down. She'll just go, ain't no man honking to me. She'll sit down. So you're... And then in the, in the middle of waiting for her, all of a sudden she comes to the door, she goes... And all God's, all God's saying is, hey, 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 okay. Would you just be as patient with her as I was with you? And you go, man, that's so, it doesn't even compare. What are you talking about? I mean, I gave Jesus the runaround. I was, I was the worst of the worst. I mean, three minutes waiting for my wife, my backslidden lousy. doesn't even compare. That's the point. That's the point. That's the point. And he simply says... Wouldn't it change everything if I was as patient as Jesus was with me? And last, he says, bear everything. Anybody in your life who's unbearable? Uncle Fred. You go to bed at night going, why did God put Uncle Fred in our family? You got that co-worker at work. You're just like, could they get a transfer, please? You got a boss who's just an idiot. And you're thinking, man, they can't fire that person fast enough for me. I just want to ask, why do you think God lets unbearable people come in our lives? What if, just asking, just asking, just asking, what if, what if God in his grace said the very best chance for Uncle Fred to 
ever figure me out is to watch their niece bear with them. The best way for, for your boss to ever discover God is to see a Christian employee who treats him or her differently than every other employee treats them, even though they're a jerk. And what if God says, and that's the best way for them to ever figure out that I'm real? Is it possible the most unbearable people in my life may be my ministry? Just asking. Rest the passage real quick. Here's what he says. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, one, uh, just as you were called by one hope, and you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all and in all. What? What's that mean? You know what I think he's saying? He's saying, hey, 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 hey. Just about the time you're ready to throw away the people in your life. Here's what I need you to remember. The same God who rescued you is the God who's trying to rescue them. Think, think about this. If I were to go in this room right now, I guarantee you, if I, if I were asked for a show of hands, a bunch of hands would go up. If I said, everybody in this room who says, if you would have told me a year ago that I would be in church singing, printing a Bible and writing in it. I would, have, I would have laughed at you a year ago. I would have said you're crazy a year ago. That the roof will fall in and we'll all die a year ago. And yet here's the thing. You're here. How did that happen? Because there's a God who changes us. There, there's even more. I, I would venture to say almost half this room, if we were to back that date up and say five years ago, five years ago, I think half of us in this room would say... <laughs> You came to me five years ago said, I would be following Jesus with all my heart, that I'd be a believer. No way. And here's what he's trying to remind us. He says, there's one God, one spirit. one." He's just saying this. The same God who changed you is the God who's trying to change them. And if that God could change you, what could he do if you and I treated them the way that Jesus treated us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you don't do relationships like we do because we we just don't get it. We are so prone to treat people the way they've treated us. We're so prone to look at superficial things and behaviors and think that really means somebody has got life figured out. And God, we just come and say, we get it, we get it, we get it. And would you give us the courage today to simply say, the most important thing that I do in living out my faith is how I treat the people around me. And I choose this day to simply treat people the way that Jesus treated me. It's the first step into having amazing relationships. In Jesus' name.